Well, if you have your Bibles, I will invite you to open to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. Uh, we are going through the Gospel of John. We're getting really close. Uh, if you guys remember Rabbi Matt, who came out and preached for us uh, late last year, he was making fun of me for having a sermon series with like 63 sermons in it. He's like, I've never done that in my entire life. How do you, what's wrong with you reformed people? And so he was teasing me on that this week. And so I said, well, we'll wrap up soon for you. But we're in this section of John called the Upper Room Discourse. And the Upper Room is Jesus with his disciples the night before his crucifixion. And he's teaching and they're having conversation and they're praying together. And it's this really beautiful portrait of, of Jesus with his disciples. And we have our scripture reading before Vicki comes up. I want to show you just really quickly from John chapter 14. So I'm going to do, I'm going to do a pre-scripture reading. So Jamin warmed up for me. I'm going to warm up for you if that's okay, Vicki. So uh, in John 14, I just, this is one of the passages I'm going to address today, but I just realized like all of these different themes, the way they just kind of uh, go one right after the other, right after the other is why we've decided to go thematically, like every underlined phrase is a different sermon that we've done in this upper room section. So you see things like I'm going to the, to the father. We said the father may be glorified in the son. We had a church planter, Justin Anderson preached on that. Uh, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's what uh, I'm going to teach on today on prayer. Or if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We did one on love and obedience. Or uh, on the next slide, you can see the, the helper, the Holy Spirit, right? The world. We talked about the world a couple weeks ago. Uh, he dwells with you and will be in you. That's abiding. Like all these different themes, it, they're all uh, intertwined. And it's really hard to just preach through one verse because like all of those are in there. So that's why we're kind of going thematically. And today we're going to talk about prayer. And so I want to invite Vicki to come. She's going to read from John 16, and then we'll pray and we'll spend some time unpacking this idea together. Good morning. So this is the word of God, starting in verse 21. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice. And, now, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Amen. Jesus, I ask that the things that I say would be truthful and helpful. And Jesus, I ask that right now, even the idea that we can come before you and pray in your name to the Father, just what a remarkable thought that is. And I pray we wouldn't 
take it lightly or take it for granted. And God, I pray that each one of us would, would have an opportunity now, not just to understand something intellectually, but to really experience you relationally during this time of, of teaching and studying and looking at your word. God, would you send your Holy Spirit to be present with us right now to, to move in our hearts and to bring these words to life in our minds. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. And this last week, finally having a little bit of nice weather for the first time in a while. And my uh, daughters, my younger two, wanted to get their bikes out and start riding around. And, you know, it's been a while. We haven't been riding bikes because of um, snow and uh, ice all over the place. And so my kids got on their bikes and were riding around. And my, my nine-year-old, Reagan, she's been riding two wheels for a while, like a couple of years now, but obviously it's been five or six months since she's gotten on her bike and ridden. So she jumped on her bike and she rode off and started going around the cul-de-sac and she came back and she's like, dad, it's amazing. Like I haven't ridden my bike in months, but I totally remember how it's like as easy as, and then she just trailed off. And I was like, no, like it's as easy as riding a bike. That's the thing, honey. Like that's what people say. And she's like, well, it's true. And I'm like, yeah, it is true. Five minutes later, though, she comes back. She's like, my legs are so tired. I said, I haven't ridden my bike. And, and, and I was like, yeah. And I was, I was thinking about that. And it, it kind of reminds me just of prayer. Like prayer is easy to do on, on one hand, right? It, you don't forget how to pray. You know, hey, God, I'd like to talk to you. But if you don't do it, your prayer muscles, if I can use that phrase, can kind of feel tired, it can be hard to know how to get started or how to continue to labor in prayer. We, as the, as the elder team this year, we were, we were praying and just kind of seeking the Lord for some direction and felt like God really led us to say, hey, in 2019, the church is going to focus on prayer. That's going to be something that we, we want to focus on and we want to grow in. So I did a teaching on prayer to start the year, and I'm, I'm really grateful that, that this idea— is so prevalent here in the upper room discourse because it gives me another opportunity to address prayer. And I want to just put before you these verses. There's, there's five different verses. And I just kind of clipped them so you can kind of see, but five different verses. Let me, just, let me just read you this list. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. It's Jesus speaking. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 15, 16, whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. Truly, truly, 16, 23, I say to you, whatever you ask of the father in my name, he will give it to you. Do you think Jesus was like getting at something? I'm not the most observant person, but I started to be like, wait a minute. I think Jesus is trying to tell us something. I went in the Greek and I, I spent some time looking up the whatevers and the anythings. And it's really fascinating in the Greek. Do you know what it means? whatever or anything. <laughs> now, if you're like me at all, maybe you have a little bit of like an asterisk in your mind. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Whatever? Anything? And you know, like logically, well, it can't be just like a blank check, pray and ask for anything, right? Like, like dear Lord, I would like to pray that you help me embezzle funds from my company and not get caught so that I can give that money to the poor, right? Like, like, do you think that's a prayer that Jesus is going to answer? Actually, don't try it. Maybe he will, and, and he's got to teach you a lesson or something. I don't know. But like, you know, like logically, you're, oh, dear Lord, please help me, you know, 
cheat on my spouse and get away with it. Like we know that it's not just like a whatever, anything with, without any sort of parameters or qualifications. And I'm going to show you what Jesus means from the text in just a minute. But I want to just start here. Do you think that sometimes we put more limits on the whatever or the anything than Jesus himself does? Do you think that sometimes we say, well, I know that Jesus says, ask anything or bring up whatever, but I'm not going to bring up this because it's just not important enough. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody like me and sometimes do that? Well, I could pray about it, but it's not one of those big things. We've, uh, the last few months, we've been really blessed to have a uh, prayer team Men and women, leaders, elders, deacons, volunteers, uh, serving to be available after service. And one of the things I've I've been saying, and and I'll say it right now, is the prayer team or asking for prayer is not just for the days when you find out that you lost your job or you have cancer. Yes, we want to be there to pray with one another and to lift each other up on those days when there's like a big burden. But look, what if your prayer request was just, eh, I feel kind of just middle of the road blah. I don't know. What if that was your prayer request? <laughs> I'm not experiencing deep joy in Jesus. Would you pray with me? Oh, okay. Like, I, I think the prayer team would be delighted. To, I think I would be delighted to. I think the, the, the guys and gals in your community groups, your DNA groups, whatever you got going on, I think Jesus would be delighted if we brought all sorts of requests and prayers to him. I mean, it reminds me of what like the apostle Paul says in, in Philippians where he talks about, you know, with, with all types of circumstances in any sort of situation through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, tell your request to God in, in how many situations church, every situation. I looked that word up too. It means every situation or first Thessalonians five rejoice always verse 17, pray constantly. So that's not just the good days. Yay, thank you, God. It's good. It's not just the really hard days. Ugh. But just the like, ah, it's a day, right? <laughs> I had a pastor that I worked with once, you know, after church, most Sundays, he would always say like, well, of all the Sundays I've ever been to church, that was one of them. And he would leave. And I was like, what is that? What does that even mean? But like, you know, sometimes you just have those days, parenting or working or whatever you're doing. Yeah, that was just a day. Pray constantly. Yeah, the the anything and the whatever have some parameters. I don't even want to say like qualifications. And I'm going to get to those. We're going to go there in in a minute. But I just want to simply say, what if we took Jesus up on that offer more? What if we didn't put more parameters or more restrictions on the prayers than Jesus did? Okay? And, and, And the reason why the reason why we might do this, and, and this really is the core of what I'm hoping to communicate today, is I think with prayer, sometimes we slip into this mindset that prayer is like a puzzle that needs to be solved. But I'm hoping today to say to you clearly and, and compellingly that that mindset is not part of the Christian life. Prayer is not like some puzzle to be solved. It's a relationship to be enjoyed. Prayer is not if I say the right words and push the right buttons and pull the right levers, I'll get what I want from God. That's a transactional mindset. What I'm advocating for is a relational mindset. We get to talk with our God. We get to spend time 
with our father who loves us. We get to spend time with our big brother, Jesus, who died and, and rescued us. We get to drink deeply of the Holy Spirit and the, the, the living water that's offered to us. Prayer is not a puzzle to be solved. So I'm saying that like multiple times because I'm about to go into these instructions that Jesus gives us. And I want us to see that this is more about praying in relationship with Jesus. It's not about dialing up the Rubik's Cube the right way so we can get the prayers answered the way that we want it. You with me so far, Sun City? Okay, few things that Jesus says. There's four. Number one, he says to pray in his name. Of those five verses I read to you, four of them said, pray in Jesus' name. Now, praying in Jesus' name is not a mantra or an incantation to say at the end of your prayers to make sure that it like gets through the stratosphere into the ears of God. That's Harry Potter, not biblical Christianity, okay? Lord, would you, uh, you know, would you uh, bless little Jimmy and Suey there? Expelleramus, amen, right? Like you're not, like that's, right? Wingardium Leviosa, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Like that's not biblical Christianity. All the Harry Potter fans are going to come up and be like, that was the best sermon you ever preached. Yeah, you? Really? Okay. All right. It shouldn't be. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I'm already off track. Here we go. Here's what it is. Praying in the name of Jesus means praying in line with the character and the reputation of Jesus. See, we think of a name as just what you call someone to get their attention. It's what you yell when your kids are running the direction you don't want them to yell, right? But when the Bible talks about the name, it has a lot more to do with their character and their reputation. Do you think that God cares about his character and his reputation? What do you think the third commandment is all about? You know the third commandment, t- 10 commandments? You shall not take or, or use the name of the Lord your God in vain. That commandment is not about saying the words, oh my God. There might be a compelling reason not to say, oh my God, but that's not what that commandment is about. That commandment is saying, do not misrepresent me. Don't go around saying, God said, or God is like, or God told me, if you don't actually know what I am like. That is what the third commandment is really about. So when we pray in the name of Jesus, that means that we are praying in a way that is consistent with the character of Jesus. But wait, there's one more element of that, because to pray in the name of somebody means that you are praying with the authority authority of that person. If I, if I said to you, well, I'll I'll say this. I had a conversation with somebody, uh, just a few days ago and, uh, they, they weren't like name dropping. They weren't doing it on purpose. They were actually being humble about it, but they said something to the effect, oh, so-and-so had a meeting with Jeff Bezos this last week. I'm like, Ooh, hmm. So like, can I call? Can I, I have opinions. Can I like, can I call in during that meeting or whatever, right? Like if you're in a meeting and, and you say, oh, I need, I'm here on behalf of, you know, Jeff Bezos, like that carries some weight, right? If you work at Amazon, if you work at Microsoft, sorry, you're out of luck. But if I go before God and I say, God, I'm here not carrying my own name, but I'm, I'm here because of the name of Jesus, that carries weight. You and I, apart from God, are sinful human beings. There's things that we do that we shouldn't do. There's things we should do that we don't do. 
And we as sinful people cannot stand in the presence of a holy God. I, I, hate to, I hate to say this to burst anyone's bubble, but in our sin, we can't pray to God. We don't have that right to enter in. But when we pray in the name of Jesus, what we're saying is that I have trusted in Jesus, that he lived the perfect life that I've never lived, that he died on the cross in my place, paying the penalty for my sins, that he rose again, conquering over sin and death. And now he is seated at the right hand of God on high. And I can go before God in the name of Jesus. Is that amazing? Is that amazing? Friends, may we never lose the wonder and the awe that we get to pray every time we pray in service, in your car, at your community group, wherever you might be. We're praying in Jesus' name. That means we're praying and we know that God hears us because of who Jesus is and what he has done. Is this good news to anyone here today? Number two, Jesus says, hey, when you're praying with me, this relational idea for prayer, it's about praying for God's glory. It's right there in the text. It's, it's as explicit as you can get. Verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do so that the Father may be glorified. That our prayers are not about our own glory, but they're about God's. Uh, our friend Justin, church planner guy, preached on this a month and a half ago or whenever he was here, did a phenomenal job just to recap it briefly. The idea of glory, I know that's one of those bible churchy sort of words, but it really just means to like draw attention to or to make famous, right? To, to like, hey, everybody, look at that. Give, give glory. And, and we humans, there's a place for us to have some glory. We are created in the image and likeness of God and humans can do cool things. Some of you are artists or painters or musicians and you can create beautiful works of art. That's cool when people come up to you and say, hey, that was really beautiful. Good job. It's okay to say thank you. Some of you are like engineers and, and, and intellectual thinkers and you problem solve and you figure out how to like make an airplane that like stays in the air and other things I don't know that I actually believe in. But like it's, it's amazing those things you can do and someone comes up and is like, hey, good job. It's okay to have, have that, that feeling of like, uh, we could use the word pride. But I know that has baggage, like just accomplishment in your work. That's okay. But the problem is we try to take more than we ought to. Oh, you, you played a nice song? Good job. God invented music. That's different glory scale, right? But in our pride and our sin, we try to take more glory than we ought to. What Jesus is saying is, hey, when you're praying relationally, make sure that you're remembering who this is really about. That actually God's glory is the hope of the world. That people would see how good God is, how merciful God is, how loving God is, that his glory is what we're really all about. So praying for his glory. Number three, pray as you abide. Verse seven in chapter 15, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, well, then you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It's a really interesting thought because the whole idea of abiding, if you remember, it was the, the imagery of a vine and a branch. And that if the branch isn't connected to the vine, well, that branch isn't going to bear good fruit because it's not getting fed the, the source, the nutrients that it needs, right? So if you are abiding in Jesus 
and his word is abiding in you and you're, you're thinking the thoughts of Jesus and you're breathing the words of Jesus and you're, you're filling your, your thought life with the scriptures, well, guess what kind of prayers are going to naturally come out of you? The kinds of prayers that Jesus will hear and will be in line with his name, with his character, right? Like if you're, if you're drinking deeply of the truth of Jesus and the nature of Jesus, his grace is going to come out in your prayers. His love is going to come out in your prayers. His wisdom is going to come out in your prayers. You're going to abide in something. You're going to be influenced and shaped by something. Do you want that something to be God's word and his spirit? Or do you want that something to be Buzzfeed and your uncle Gary. Like, I don't know. You're going to get influences from somewhere. It might as well be God and his word and his spirit. So that when you pray, what comes out of you is prayers like Jesus himself would pray. And then number four, Jesus says, pray for joy. In verse 24, ask and you will receive so that your joy may be full. Okay, confession time, be honest. How many of you have ever spent some time praying and thought, that did not bring me joy, right? Anybody? You know, Marie Kondo be like, well, just throw it away. No, okay. (laughs) Jesus is saying there is an explicit connection between praying and joy. And, 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 and just to summarize it, what I'm convinced is a lot of the time we don't experience joy in prayer because we're coming at prayer with this transactional mindset. I have to figure out which buttons to push, which knobs to twist to get the thing that I want. And we're missing out on relationship with our joyful heavenly father. If prayer is connected to abiding, then the, the, the joy that God wants to give you is his own joy. I mean, Jesus says that in, in John 17. It's like this theme of joy, I mean, could have been a, a whole additional upper room sermon. We'd have been here until, you know, 2022 or something. But like the idea of just he is working in you when you're abiding in him, there's great joy to be had. I've said it Numerous times, one of my favorite quotes from from C.S. Lewis is that joy is the serious business of heaven. And that God wants you to come to him in prayer, not so that you can do your religious duty or not so that you can get the thing that you're wanting to get, but so that you can experience his joy. I'll summarize all this by saying, say it this way, the heartbeat of prayer is relationship that is focused on God's glory and our joy. That's the heartbeat of prayer. That's really what it's all about. And I get really upset when I hear preachers or see books or blog posts about like, you know, five prayers to get the breakthrough that you need or seven steps to the prayer that God will, you know, like I get so frustrated by that because it's, it's selling you a commercial transactional view of prayer. And that's not what it's about. 
I remember years ago, I stumbled across the website. A friend of mine found this website and it was called, this was, a, this was in the earlier days of the internet. It was called christianmiraclepraer.net. That's how you know it's an old website is the .net part, okay? And, and they had a button where you could donate through PayPal for $7.77. Because <sighs> uh, <laughs> God loves the number seven. They would send you a personally curated list of prayers that you could pray to get whatever miracle or financial breakthrough or whatever you were looking for. And I had this argument with my friend, like, is this a joke website or is it real? Which one of us is going to put our credit card in the thing? Because I want to find out what the prayers are like. And I, I still to this day don't know. I don't know that I want to know. And while that's a blatant example of just like something kind of silly and ridiculous, That kind of stuff works its way into our thinking about prayer all the time. The heartbeat of prayer is relationship. It's about his glory and our truest, deepest joy. Now, I want to answer a couple of questions here in the few minutes I have left. There was a question that came up in in chapter 16, the the passage that Vicki was reading, because there was some kind of back and forth language that Jesus used about, you know, until this day, well, let me look at it real quick. He used this analogy of a, a woman giving birth and then after, it's painful and it's hard, but after she gives birth, she has this exceeding joy because there's a baby. How wonderful that is. I've never uh, given birth, obviously, but like I know, we could survey a lot of the moms here. You know how I know that, that this verse is true? Because women have another kid later. Right? It's like, oh, it's so painful. It's so horrible. It's the most, you know, horrible, painful thing, except for when a husband gets a cold, right? Or whatever. Like it's, it's, <laughs> but then, yeah. But then women have like another kid. They're like, oh, well, the joy must be that great. What Jesus is talking about is how, how tragic and, and horrible his death is. Like the, the cross is this just horrible, sad thing. And yet on the other side of it, when he raises from the dead, there's incredible joy to be had there. This understanding though, is that, that when Jesus dies and, and rise again, there's a, there's a transfer. There's a, there's a new day. It's a new era in human history. And the way things used to be are no longer the way that they're going to be. He, he says to his disciples, like in verse 24, he says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. He's talking to his disciples the night before his crucifixion. And then he says, but now, like if you, if you jump down into verse 26, he says, in that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say that I will ask the father on your behalf for the father himself loves you because you have loved me and believe that I came from God. What Jesus is saying is you can go straight to God because of my death and my resurrection. Isn't that cool? I'm glad we have a prayer team. I'm glad you have prayer partners in your life. I'm I'm happy to pray with you anytime as a pastor. Love it. You don't need me. You don't need a prayer team. You don't need your prayer partner. You have Jesus Christ, the mediator, who goes before the Father on your behalf. How awesome is that? That's what that's all about. That, That passage becomes a lot clearer when you understand he's talking to his disciples about this radically new thing that's gonna happen because of his death and resurrection. Another question that came up and I'm, it was in verse uh, or chapter 14 was what does Jesus mean when he says, you're going to do greater works than me, greater works than Jesus. Like, doesn't that sound like kind of presumptuous or arrogant? Like really? Like last time I checked, I have never turned water into wine at a party. Last time I checked, none of y'all had multiplied 
bread and fish to feed 5,000 people or walked on the water or you know, raised your best friend from the dead or I don't know, died to atone for the sins of the world and rise victorious on the third day. Like none of us have done that, right? What in the world does Jesus mean by greater works? Well, again, the key is this understanding that it's a new day. It's a new season. Jesus in his earthly ministry was confined to one location, one city. He was in Jerusalem. He was in Bethany. He was wherever he was. But because of his death, his resurrection, because he ascended to the Father and because he gives us the Holy Spirit, there are now millions upon millions of Christ followers out there doing the work of Jesus to all the corners of the globe, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, Edmonds, right? We're, we're, we're everywhere. We're all over the place, loving and serving. And, and even a few weeks ago to hear the report of the way that this church community had some impact overseas in Uganda or in Mexico, the team that was there, or the way that the, the gift cards and all that kind of stuff just, just was here for the blessing of our community in Linwood. It's incredible. And by the way, we're nothing special. You ought to say amen to that one, right? Like, we're not, like do you know some of the people in this room? Like, can I, like, can I be honest? I'm gonna be. Can I be honest? Like, I would much rather have someone give me a gift card than to give a gift card. Just in my selfishness, I would love that. I would love a gift card. That's not, a, I'm not actually asking for that. But you know what I mean? Like giving can be hard. I would rather that someone else is kind and gracious to me when I'm in a bad mood or have a bad attitude rather than trying to be kind and gracious to someone else when they're being rude, right? Like I would rather in my selfishness do all that kind of stuff and yet God still uses me. Each and every single one of us have our problems, have our issues and yet Jesus still works through this ragtag bunch of disciples Is that not incredible? That's pretty great. That's pretty great. That Jesus, obviously, it's like Jesus does it. Awesome, great. It's Jesus. He does it through us. That's, that's incredible. Okay, one more, one more question. And this one's a little more serious. And I want to ask this question and I want us to ponder it for just a few minutes. Because it's a big one. With all those things that Jesus said, ask, receive, ask, receive, I'll give it to you, ask whatever you want, ask whatever you ask for, I'll give it to you. What if Jesus doesn't answer my prayer? What if Jesus doesn't? All sorts of thoughts start going through your head. Want to try to fix the blame somewhere? Well, the, the problem must be with me. The problem must be with God. The problem must be that I didn't push the right buttons, pull the right levers. I didn't do the transaction right. There's a couple things I know for certain. It's not because God doesn't love you. That's a non-option for us. Romans 8, 39, there's neither height nor depth, angels, principalities. Death itself cannot separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. So if you feel like your prayer is not being answered, one of the options you you need to remind yourself as soon and as often as possible, it's not because God doesn't love me. Number two, it's not because God is powerless. He can't do anything. God is powerful. Isaiah 59, 1 says, His arm is not too short or not too weak. His his ear is not dull. He hears. 
There are a few things we might need to investigate. And I put an asterisk next to the might because sometimes these verses and these ideas get used to beat people up unnecessarily, but they're still scriptural and we need to at least ask some questions. It it might be, maybe, because we're asking with wrong motives. We see that in in John here. We see that in the book of James. It might be that we're asking with wrong motives. We're, We're not really truly asking God for what would bring him glory and bring us joy. We've, we've got some sort of selfish pleasures in mind. It might be. It might be because there's unrepentant sin in our lives that there's clear areas where God is saying, hey, I want to work on you in this area and you're not listening to me. And the, and the Bible will even say things like in Psalm 66, uh, you know, that his ear will not listen to us if we're harboring iniquity in our heart. It might be. It might not be. It might be that there's a lack of faith And boy, of all the buzz ones, this one might be the hardest because it gets so often misused or it gets so often blown over, you know, overblown or whatever. But the idea of like, pray with faith and believe what you're asking for. It's in the Bible, like a lot. Do you actually believe that God can and would even answer the prayer that you're praying? Or are you just kind of, "Eh, I'm just going to throw this out. It's kind of a Hail Mary. We'll see. I don't know. It might also be that you just need to persist. God wants to keep you praying and keep you coming back to him and, and, and praying and praying and praying. It might be any of those things. It might not. You, those closest to you, pray, ask the spirit of God for some help in those things. Here's, here's, here's some things to consider, okay? Coming back to that mentality, when it comes to prayer, it's far too easy for us to slip into this transactional mindset. Let me just, let me just throw out some what ifs, okay? And this is hard. This is really hard. What if God knows some things about you, the future, the world that you don't know? And if you knew those things that God knows, maybe you would answer the prayers the same way that God answered them? Maybe. What if God is doing some things to change you and your prayers are less about changing your circumstances and more about God changing you in the middle of your circumstances? What if God is answering your prayers, but not in the exact specific way that you are asking or expecting? I don't know, in the, in the Bible, does God ever do things in a surprising way? Maybe God is going to answer the prayer, but it's just not right this moment. What if God wants to bring himself glory in some ways that you didn't expect? I was thinking about some prayers I was praying last year. Bill here. I was thinking about when we were praying for Carla and asking God to heal her body of the cancer that was ravaging it. And we prayed a lot. A lot of people praying. 
God, would you bring healing? Would you, would you show your power and your mercy and your glory in this way? Would you bring healing? And if God had brought physical healing, which I believe he can and he does do, that would have been awesome. God would have gotten glory and we would have gotten joy, right? That would have been great. It would have been amazing. But do you know what I saw during particularly those last few months, but really throughout the whole battle with cancer, is I saw a sister in Christ face adversity with one of the most joyful, loving, courageous hearts I've ever witnessed in my entire life. At the memorial service, they were talking about how she was still knitting people uh, hats for their newborn babies up until like the last week of her, her life. And every time we'd talk, eh, I got a bad report for the doctor, but you know what? My hope's in Jesus, and I'm going to be okay. And I was telling the nurses about that too. And whew, Let me ask you something. Did God get glory in that situation as well? And, and you better believe that even as there was pain and it's bittersweet, there was some real joy even in the midst of that hardship. I wanted God to answer the prayer in one way, but he got glory. He got glory. And, I, and I, I think about her. The next time I go through something hard or challenging or difficult, I, I want to be like Carla. I want to have the joy and the spring of my step and the courage and the, the love for others that Carla had until the day when she saw Jesus face to face. So sometimes we're going at prayer. I want this thing from God. And when God shows up and says, I'm going to give you myself. My joy, my peace, my love. It's not that we shouldn't ask for the things. Ask for the things. But it's about his glory. It's about our joy. So what an amazing thought it is that we can go before God. We're about to go before God right now in celebrating the Lord's table and singing. Songs are like prayers to God. And my hope and my prayer is that you would engage your heart. This is not a time to get something from God. This is a time to get God. Father, would you stir in us now a passion and a joy in prayer that sometimes we miss out on because we're, we're just thinking in the wrong way. God, would you forgive me and for anyone else or times where we've turned it into a, a transaction instead of a relationship? a problem to be solved instead of the joy that comes from abiding in you. And God, now as we enter into this time of celebrating the Lord's table and, and, and singing, God, would you, would you draw us close to yourself? Help us to abide in you. Help us to experience your joy and help us to live for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.